Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. I want to thank all of our listeners from all over the world. Please do subscribe and share if you're not already. All right, let's get into it. And another thing, Dave, aspiring voice actor. I love your show because your diction is magnificent. And come with some facts, bruh. That's what we need today. We need everybody that's out there sulking and crying and sad over the wrong thing. And think about the fact that innocent people lost their lives for a crock of shit fucking lie. Our families, blood relatives, friends, co-workers, enemies, haters, they died in vain. So... Getting the truth out there hurts, but it lets you know that this is some tyrancy we're going through here. Tyrants. Tyrants abound. It's true. It's true. Um, you know, and the, the one thing that really just kind of hurt my heart about that whole thing, Worm, is that, you know, the whole thing is like, don't question authority. If you question the official story, and, and that people bought that. Like, wait a minute, people. Come on. We know of all these horrors that our government has done. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to forget all that and be like, oh, but 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 this time they're taking care of us. This time we got to listen to daddy. To be asleep. They want to be asleep. Right. And it goes back to that cognitive dissonance I was talking about, because even though you know deep down that there are facts you could look at to prove this true. You don't want to because it would shake your whole reality of us being the oh. good guy riding the, you know, being the knight in shining armor riding the white horse, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it destroys that whole narrative. If our government would either by inaction allow to happen or actually be involved in this happening, however, if that, if that happened, then that destroys the entire narrative of us being the good guy in any way, shape, or form, right? Um, so I can't find the um, that damn thing on the, the Israeli art students, but I am going to bring up Operation Northwoods. Um, it, it, so in it helps to look at the past, right? When you're looking at when you're looking at like, oh my God, could this like is Dave a tinfoil hat wearing nut job, right? <laughs> Are you wearing tinfoil right now? I don't have any on right now. Does it um, work? I've never worn a tinfoil hat, but I would I would consider wearing one. I would. Am I getting better reception? What's the frequency, Kenneth? <laughs> What's the frequency? Wait, I am tuning in. I am tuning in. Um <laughs> So this is from Gizmodo online. Operation Northwoods, the 1960s government plan to fake terrorist attacks on the U.S. Now, this is, and they're showing right here, a classified document from uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Washington, D.C., March 13th, 1962, memorandum for the Secretary of Defense, subject justification for U.S. military intervention in Cuba. The Joint Chiefs of Staff have considered the attached memorandum for the Chief of Operations, Cuba project, which responds to a request that the Office for a brief but precise description of pretexts, damn it, pop-up ad, which would provide justification for U.S. military intervention in Cuba. At the core of the 9-11 truther movement, okay, so wait, um, let me get to the meat of the article here. In the, in the 1950s and 60s, the U.S. was in the grip of the Cold War and terrified by the threat of communism. Cuba, a communist nation right on the doorstep, was deemed such a threat that the huge amount of intelligence, that a huge amount of intelligence and military activity was devoted to finding ways to depose of or assassinate Fidel Castro. After the failure of the Bay of Pigs invasion, these activities were collected under a CIA program known as Operation Mongoose, also called the Cuban Project. 
It was led by General Edward Lansdale of the U.S. Air Force. In, 19, in 1997, the John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Review Board released a pile of records from the Kennedy era. Among them was a 1962 document titled Justification for U.S. Military Intervention in Cuba. The memorandum concerned something called Operation Northwoods, a plan to create fake attacks on quote-unquote friendly defected Cubans, U.S. military bases, and U.S. citizens, all designed to appear conducted by Cuba. This action, known as a quote-unquote false flag operation, would be used to garner the public and political support necessary for direct mil military intervention against Cuba. And the plan wasn't some crackpot scheme devised by a minor official. It was sent from the Joint Chiefs of Staff to the Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara. An aircraft at Anglin Air Force Base would be painted and numbered as an exact duplicate for a civil registered aircraft belonging to a CIA proprietary organization in the Miami area. At a designated time, the duplicate would be substituted for the actual civil aircraft and would be loaded with selected passengers, all boarded under carefully prepared aliases. The actual registered aircraft would be converted to a drone. Let that sink in. This is 1962. The actual registered aircraft would be converted to a drone. They're telling us they had this, they had the technology to turn a 747 into a drone in 1962. I bet you they From the did. I bet they did. They're telling us that they did right here. From the rendezvous point with the drone, the passenger carrying aircraft would descend to a minimum altitude and go directly into an auxiliary field. Anglin Air Force Base where arrangements have been made to evacuate the passengers and return the aircraft to its original status. The drone aircraft will meanwhile continue to fly the filed flight plan. When over Cuba, the drone will be transmitted a Mayday message stating it is under attack by a Cuban MiG aircraft. The transmission will be interrupted by destruction of the aircraft which will be triggered by radio signal. The document also outlines an elaborate plan for a fake attack on Guantanamo Bay Naval Base, including suggestion number 10, sink ship near harbor entrance, conduct funerals for mock victims. The author goes on to suggest, quote unquote, remember the main incident referring to the explosion and sinking of the USS Maine that led to the Spanish-American War. Casualty lists in US newspapers would cause a helpful wave of national indignation. Um, and it continues. Other measures include retrofitting or refitting an American jet to resemble a Cuban MiG, then using it for harassment of civil air attacks on surface shipping and destruction of U.S. military drone aircraft, a fake attack on U.S. military jets involving cloak and dagger moves, like quickly repainting tail numbers in a hangar while a submarine jettisoned burned jet parts <clears throat> and a parachute, all using a pilot flying under an alias who would sub subsequently resume his proper identity and return to the normal place of business. Um, so totally doing a shell game. Operation Northwoods was not limited to chicanery um, in which no one was really harmed. In part four of the plan, fake communist Cuban terror campaign included suggestions to quote unquote, sink a boatload of Cubans en route to Florida, real or simulated. We could foster attempts on lives of Cuban refugees in the United States, even to the extent of wounding wounding in instances to be widely publicized. Perhaps the quote unquote plastic bombs in carefully chosen spots would have injured or killed anyone, but perhaps they would have. That part's a little confusing, the wording. Um, ultimately, Operation Northwoods never went beyond this 
stage suitably only for planning, suitable only for planning. No evidence suggests that any part of the plan was put into action by the Department of the Defense. Nevertheless, it's impossible to escape the feeling of creepy horror when you realize that such a plan was even considered at such high levels in the US government. Brutal, right? And maybe, maybe that's why Kennedy was killed. One of the reasons, probably, because he freaked out when that came across his desk. He's like, you guys are crazy. And then he wanted to disband the CIA to the four corners of the universe. They sound like evil men. Yes. So crazy. So I, I mean, that that's a mind blow, right? In 1962, they're telling us that they had the Joint Chiefs of Staff are saying that they could create a drone out of an aircraft. So mind blow. Mind is blown. September 11, 2001. Where were you? Where were you? Hey, we got another message. Lines here. are open. Pablo, Pablo Escobra. Escobra. I love that. <laughs> Let's hear from Pablo. No. Oh. 9-11 was an inside job. Yep. Yeah, it was a job, all right. And a lot of people profited that day. And I got a huge, huge list of documentaries I, I suggest, once again, for people who haven't um, maybe delved, you know, that deep into the day or, or who would like to. Um, there's, uh, let's see, one of them is... This is a good one, 9-11 in plain sight, the 11th horn. Um, and this is fascinating on a number of levels. Do you remember, Worm, the story of the homeless guy with the golden voice? Yeah. So that yeah, guy I... narrates this documentary. Excellent. I think it's uh, before, I think it's before he got, like before he went homeless, or something, but um, uh oh, well, that's yeah, but interesting. Hopefully, it's after you know. But I, I did hear that he kind of went full circle, so yeah, it's too bad. But anyway, you know, maybe somebody you will find me on the side of the road and give me a voiceover job. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome, <laughs> right? Except for the part where I'm standing on the side of the road, <laughs> except for the side of the road part, huh? Yeah. Hey. Oh, I don't like that part either. Um, but yeah, let me get some factoids on this one. Let me pull this one up. This is 9-11 in plain, plain sight, the 11th horn. And uh, the factoids on this one, David Vonkiest paints a vivid picture of forensic evidence about the evidence on September 11th. Um, and this one's fascinating because it goes into depth about the Pentagon and it shows um, like a diagram, like the height of the, the, the plane would have been like right there drawn against a diagram right. of the building and everything. So it goes into some great factoids. Um, yeah. I love how earlier you said that the, uh, the entire plane vaporized. It's like a vaporized right. Yeah, first time in, in world history, right? Where are the engines? They vaporize. Where, where are these giant tight, not just steel, they're fucking titanium. <laughs> you know, there would be a huge chunk of melted. titanium somewhere. Oh, they melted. Right? Yeah. They melted. Yeah. The, what they should have, they, you would have, they should have left huge holes in the building, right? They didn't. They didn't leave any holes. The only hole was from where the nose cone hit. So that's the weirdest thing. But um, I saw the gash in the building. I saw the gash. Right. But there should the gash should have been three times as wide because each engine should have created another gash just as big, but it didn't. The gash was originally a 16-foot diameter hole. And anybody that remembers or has saw has seen the original footage, originally it was a circular 16-foot di uh, di diameter hole, and there was a the, the top of the building was intact above it. 
Later in the day, it collapsed. But originally, it was a 16-foot diameter hole that they're telling us a 747 went through. Those sons of bitches. Yeah, just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. Um, and then you and then you listen to to people's footage, uh, people's uh, you know uh, eyewitness accounts of of that event, and it, that doesn't add up. Um, but you know, I, I want to stay away from telling, trying to tell people what happened because I don't know what happened. But there's so many holes in the official story that I just like sticking to that poking holes and pointing out the the massive gaps in the official narrative. Um, this is what happened, folks. President <laughs> Bush did the 9/11s. He done did it. That there Bush man, he done done it. Well, one of the crazy things is that Bush Sr. was apparently sitting with the head of Saudi Arabia watching it unfold. So that's pretty wild. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Not not suspicious at all. Um, so what do you think President Bush Jr., <laughs> good old boy Jr., what do you think his like uh, his response in the classroom what do you think that was about? What's your gut on that as an empath? Wow, I wonder where he was. He was probably sitting down. And he was just like all, he was like tenting his fingers. He was probably tenting mm -hmm. his fingers, sitting down somewhere. Like, yeah. You're talking about Bush. Yeah. Bush. No. Yeah. I, I saw his face. No, it, he had nothing to really do. He was a pawn like every other president for ten years. Right in the classroom. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. in the classroom. So what do you think he was? What do you think he was thinking? He's like, yeah, the plan is going just as where my girls should be. It's supposed to. What is they, they to me? He this alibi for him where they. Yeah, they no, hold on, hold on. They created this alibi for him where they, they had they had they were filming him just when. Yeah, why would they be filming that particular thing? Because like, he's creating an alibi. He's like. Reading three little piggies in the class, it's like, oh my god, this needs to be historically like documented or anything. Like they set him up, and it's so right. unfortunate because that person really is like. Um, oh, you think they set him up? Yeah, they set up all the presidents. I kind of think they did too, like because his 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 expression to me was like not that he was really surprised, like oh my god, we've we've been attacked, but it looked. Like he was miffed, like it wasn't supposed to go down like this. Like maybe he was told that we were doing a drill that day, and then all of a sudden the drill went live. I saw. Right. I, I don't know. Possibility, right? Because because you guys remember um, the bombing in the UK subway system on seven seven oh seven. So, right when that happened. The, they were conducting a drill on what would we do if there was a terrorist bombing in a in a subway. Right when they're conducting that drill, there's a terrorist bombing in that very subway. Like, huh? Kind of like the exact same thing that happened on 9/11, right? Like, huh? Oh, we're doing a these military drills of what would happen if uh, you know airliners were hijacked, and oh my God, what do you know? Airlines just got hijacked. I oftentimes point to Operation Northwood, where people are like, uh, like Bill Tonkin, they're like, what are you trying to say? You don't believe in America? Like, fuck right. And, and, yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not that we don't believe in America at all, because like, and, and first of all, what is that? What is that? Like, thank you for reminding me of that. I was on my way to go get a cup of coffee this morning, and I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about with you. And I saw a bumper sticker, proud to be an American. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It, it means, uh, to me, it reminds me of that saying, God bless America and nowhere else. Right? Like, why, why would I be proud to be an American? I didn't do anything. I just came out of a womb. <laughs> I landed here. I didn't have any stake in that. Like, why should I be proud of that? I should I should be proud of doing 25 push-ups. I should be proud of something I accomplished, right? I should be proud of an achievement that I've done. 
but proud of proud of just being who I am that I had no stake in. Like that'd be like that. I mean, that's like white pride, right? It's like national nationalistic pride is the same kind of thing. Like proud of America. Why? I mean, I I understand like yeah, that's my homeland, but isn't the whole world our homeland? Like I'm a human first and foremost, and then I happen to be from the United States. But then I happen to be from California, and I, I identify as a Californian a lot more than I identify as an American. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And go, going back to what you said, I think we're fracturing, and I don't think we should be one country anymore. I don't think that there's that much in common between California and Texas or California and Mississippi. I really don't. <laughs> I like you, Dave. I like you. <laughs> I love you, brother. In a non-gay kind of way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just ain't the way I roll. We got a lot of messages, dude. We got, we got the masculine man. Hey there, one million, and another thing with Dave. Just trying out this new bike that I got hooked up. Uh, <laughs> Should should be covered in a lot clearer. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, guy? Yeah, sounds great. I would suggest a pop filter, though. That guy's a masculine man, dude. Yeah, I know, and that was so perfect that masculine man came in right after I, I kind of made a gay joke. <laughs> right? Yeah. Kenji. I wouldn't be surprised if that homeless guy who went viral all those years ago is an actor for them. Um because that's what they do. They kind like kind of what they did for Elon Musk, you know, in that sense. I know he's a little bit more of an actor, less or more, less than an actor, you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, like they just put them out in the forefront. Oh, look at look at this guy we found on the side of the road. Oh man, he's so special. He's so amazing. Then you come to find out that he's uh, narrated documentaries for them. Um, he, he was at the crime scene of Tupac's death and all those type of things. I'm exaggerating what? a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, I, I question everything. Question everything all the time is my point, right? So, good point, good point. Now, if he was at the scene of Tupac's death, he's definitely CIA. <laughs> Who else we got? We got Stephen X. Appreciate you, Pete. Hey, I got a question. Do you think it's too early or is it just the right time to make a 9-11 movie? Like, I know this is kind of gruesome and morbid and shit, but I was just picturing the actual hijacker as, what, what the fuck is he doing right before he flies it into the fucking tower? Like, what is his mind process? What is he fucking thinking? What, how does it look when he blows? It's, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of morbid, but fuck, it's kind of like, I can see a cinematic version of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, Gorilla Radio, worm, worm. I just had this vision. That's what George Bush Sr. was doing with the Saudi royal family. He handed the head of the royal family the remote control and goes, you do the honors. Oh, wouldn't that be a great scene? They have George Bush on one, George Bush, George W. Bush on one camera. And then we yeah. can you got 9-11 going on on the other camera because they control the world. Right. New world order. It's going to be a long journey, but we, when we're successful, and we will be. Funny he said that. George Bush. He said George that Herbert on TV Walker to all of us. Bush. Herbert right? Walker. Yeah. Herbert fucking Walker. Skinwalker. Skinwalker. <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. I heard he frequents that place. A bit. This shows a lot of different kind of conspiracies <laughs> about uh, September 11. But I think overall, it's rest in peace to all the people that didn't make it. Yeah. What a tragic event. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, first and foremost. Yeah, much love goes out to not only here, not only here, right? We lost three, four thousand people here, but like half a million Iraqis. 
Uh, I just heard a statistic yesterday, 157,000 people died over the course of the Afghanistan war, 67 of them reporters. So that really hurts my heart, you know, because they didn't sign up to be killed. They didn't sign up to, for the military. They were just Nobody trying to tell us that. They were trying to tell a story, right? I mean, my heart hurts for a soldier, but on a different level, because you volunteered. Right. And you volunteered to go carry a gun. So, you know what comes with that. Right. Live by the gun, die by the gun. But when you're carrying a camera and you get shot, that's a whole nother level. Right. It's like. Press, and especially, yeah, especially when you hear that the tech, the press was actually being targeted in some cases. It, it just hurts my heart. Story out, man. They just get the yep. story out. Can't have that, though. Right. You can't have that if you're. If you're the deep state, right? You don't want the truth getting out, whatever the truth is, right? Hurts your narrative, right? Exactly. And you really think about who doesn't want the truth, who doesn't want the, the truth getting out. Right, right. Like, like, remember that Tillotson case where that football hero got shot in the back of the head by friendly fire? Yeah. And they totally spun that because they didn't want us to know the truth of like, ooh, he might have been murdered for speaking out against the war. Yeah. You know, wow. best case scenario, it was an accident. Worst case scenario, somebody popped him off. Shut up. Shut up back of the head. Pat. Right. And that stuff happens, unfortunately, all the time, you know. That is so loud. There's so many, so many great documentaries about that event. But um, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth is, is, I think, the definitive one. Um, because it is Architects and Engineers. And then one of the, um, ah, the guy's name is eluding me right now. But um, what is 9-11 explosive evidence? Let me give you the full title right here. 9-11 explosive evidence. Experts speak out. Free one-hour version. A&E 9-11truth.org. Um, this is a free one-hour version of our hour and a quarter groundbreaking documentary 9-11 explosive evidence experts speak out which is available for purchase and then let me get the factoids on the people where is this guy's name so richard gage richard gage is the gentleman i was looking for um as millions of people are becoming aware, they haven't gotten the whole story on 9-11, over 1,700 architects and engineers are leading the way at A&E911truth.org uh, with dozens of these professionals giving testimonials in this documentary, putting, the careers on, putting their careers on the line. So it's fascinating. And also Richard Gage did another short documentary which he breaks down the whole thermate thing and this one's fascinating it's 9-11 experiments the great thermate debate and he sets up a, an experiment in his backyard and cuts through steel beams um, like effortlessly so and that's what stuff he got at the hardware store so imagine nano thermite right um, whole different so, uh... level Imagining um, alchemy twisting and distorting the metal so that it can free fall. No, I'm picturing, yeah, something like thermite, thermite, thermite placed in such a, in a diagonal sort of way. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he was able to do. He was able to create a, a cutting charge of thermite. So he made this thing out of steel that you could, you could, uh, bolt to the beam and it would cut through the beam at designated spots and if you had a bunch of these happening in unison it would take whole floors out right yeah and if you 
if you did that to say 10 floors or something, then you could create a pancake effect, maybe, after you took out the, the you know, foundation pillars, of course. Oh, it's so crazy. So crazy. And it was done. And it was done. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and there's evidence, you know, in, in the aftermath, if you look at the footage, you're seeing twisted, melted pieces of steel. Was, well, what melted them? Nobody ever talks about it. Sure. Right? Jet yeah. fuel doesn't melt steel. It can weaken it, but it's not going to put a hole through it, and it's not going to melt off the end of it, and it's not going to make it thin, melt it to, to half of its original thickness. And we saw examples of all that in the aftermath. Not to mention, you remember the smoldering pit, right? The smoldering yeah. pit that was burning for six weeks, I think, afterwards. Yeah. They, they couldn't put it out, right? And that was underground with tons of water already sprayed on it. So what was that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Sick you know, yeah, there's countless uh, examples of people talking about explosions, either in the basements or um, in the lobby. Um, you know, and then that's an, that's another key, right? Because you have to take out the foundational pillars for a building to collapse like that in its own footprint. You have to take out the, the foundational structures, the pillars. Um, so that would be your subterranean explosions, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what he said. Yeah. Okay, so here's something. Uh, am I boring you, Worm? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm um, You too? I've done 2001 bong hits. <laughs> In preparation for this moment. Yeah. Um, so I found something about what you were talking about, the missing gold. 231 million in gold and silver lies beneath Tower of Rubble. Let me pull this one up. And this is from the baltimoresun.com. Dot cam. Hey, now. Uh, <clears throat> I need a drink of water. Bear with me just for one second. I'm parched. Parched over here. I don't want to be making annoying mouth noises. He's parched. New York, some 13 tons of gold worth an estimated 110 million and 30.2 million ounces of silver valued at 121 million are buried under the rubble at the World Trade Center, the New York Times reported yesterday. The precious metal uh, was stored in vaults below number four World Trade Center. Goddamn Go away. No, I'm not going to subscribe to your damn paper. Uh, one of the smaller buildings that collapsed in the attack on the Twin Towers, the newspaper said it belonged to the people or firms that trade futures contracts on the New York Mercantile Exchange. Wait a minute. Why would people that trade futures have a bunch of hard currency like bullion? That doesn't make sense. The Times quoted James Newsom, acting chairman of the Commodities Future Trading Commission, which oversees futures markets, as saying there was not much concern about the gold and silver because the metal is secure and because there is an ample supply. Wow. One company estimated the Trade Center hoard of gold to be just 0.3% of the global supply. Precious metals are used to settle trading and futures contracts. Wow. So that's, but they don't talk about it being in vehicles, like in transport, <laughs> like mid theft. So let me see if I can find an article that talks about that aspect, because that's a whole nother, it opens a whole nother can of worms. Like somebody was creating, you know, in the midst of a massive heist and it got thwarted or at least partially thwarted. So bear with me one second here. Let's play a message while I'm doing this. Stephen X. Hey, rocking that flag don't make you a hero. Word the ground zero. The devil crept into heaven. 
God slept on the 7th. The New World Order was built on September 11th. Ooh, I got to share that. That was beautiful, dude. Wow. Who do you think you are? That was good. Coming up in here with your grind. On 9-11, two remotely controlled airplanes were flown into two separate towers. Actually, I question if there were ever any airplanes. What do you think of that? Does that make me a madman? Hmm? It could have been missiles. Yeah, I do. Question. On the on the on in the the entire day, or just at the uh, break that down for me. Okay. So they they forced everyone away from this this already supposedly struck tower when the second tower was struck, but nobody nobody was in a position to actually see what was happening from True. the other side, from the north side. And they, you know, prior to any buildings getting hit, there were already firemen dispatched on the streets. Right, like They're the footage of everyone. seeing the towers get hit, you, you see firemen on the street already. So what were they doing? When what were they told? Why were they already there? Right. And then when they they gave us this footage, you have this curious little pop through where the nose pops through on the other side of the building. And it's just like the physics just aren't there. Right. How did it make it through, what is it, 77 steel columns? Right? It looks fucking silly. It's fucking silly. <laughs> yeah, I believe, I believe there was a plane, but I'm thinking it was Operation Northwood style, where it was a drone that was remote controlled, flown in, because a lot of the, you know, I have a clip, I can't play on stereo, unfortunately, but it's a bunch of people like, you know, yeah, it looked like a gray plane. Yeah, it looked like a black military plane. Yeah, there were no windows. It was a dark colored plane. Right. A bunch of people saying what they saw, like right after it happened. But those those reports got taken off of the news right away and they just went with the official narrative. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It, listen, but at first listen, it was. No, listen, yeah. I got I got to take a leak. Listen, I'm just going to mute myself. Right. Hey, that's great. No problem. Hey now, hey now. So here we got uh, from, is this the New Yorker magazine? New York magazine, yeah. NewYorkMagazine.com. The gold recovery uh, from this article is from August 26th, 2011 by Jeffrey Gray. Thank you, Jeffrey Gray. Earlier in the morning before the attack, an armored truck had made its way through the underground tunnel below the World Trade Center. Inside the truck was millions of dollars worth of, worth of bullion. Through a maze of underground tunnels, the truck had just left a vault, which COMEX, uh, the Commodities Exchange, kept thousands of gold and silver bars stacked on pallets, a warehouse of mega riches beneath the city surface. The armored truck and the bullion inside were found in the first couple of days of the recovery effort, crushed along with other cars in the sub-basement by falling steel. The driver had eventually escaped before the collapse. People thought the gold in the vault might be accessible to looters, but it turned out that the most difficult problem was bringing in electricity to rewire the vault doors. Soon, under the watch of dozens of armed guards, thousands of bars of gold and silver were hauled out of the bi-level 6,000 square foot vault. All told, there were 379,036 ounces of gold stacked in 30 pound ingots. Oh my God. There was much more silver in bars as big as bread loaves weighing 70 pounds per loaf. Eventually, workers hauled out all 29,942,619 ounces. God damn! 
70 pound loaf of silver. All the precious metal under the towers was accounted for at one point as workers were hauling out the treasure they broke for lunch. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. Uh, there were no tables or chairs. Instead, they ate their meals on stacks of gold bars. Because, you know, America. <laughs> Eat your bologna sandwich on a stack of gold bars. <laughs> <laughs> Now get back to work. Oh, that's great, right? So I'm I'm still kind of curious how the you know the Radio Free Europe was saying these people are winners and losers. So how were they saying that Iran was a winner um, when it comes to 9/11? Okay, all this has considerably boosted Iran's regional influence, even as the country continues to, to develop its nuclear program. Okay. That's how. That's how. Hey, now. And some other people that benefited. Military robotics. Hey, now. Boston Dynamics, right? Isn't that the, com the company that's got the, uh, the robotic military dog? I think it is. And then the biggest losers, the biggest losers of 9-11, of course, number one, the families of the 9-11 victims. And I would also put equal with that um, families of all of the war victims that were a trickle down of 9-11, like Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Somalia, Egypt. Yeah. Um, Al-Qaeda was another loser, apparently. Pakistan was another loser. Military families, big loser. Yep. New York, definitely. Um, moderate Muslims, absolutely. They became the victim of hate crimes and they had nothing to do with anything. They're not extremists. They're just moderate religious people like anybody else. Airline passengers, yeah, because, you know. Now you're flying in terror, right? You got to take off your shoes and TSA, bring yeah. shampoo with you. Yeah, and, and you got to have a TSA finger up your butt. Like, okay, bend over and cough. Okay, you're free to, free to fly now. Um, <laughs> you know? Uh, pacifists. Pacifists lost. Saudi Arabia lost? Ooh, I don't know if I do. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that one. I don't know if I agree with that one. Let's uh, let's let's hear what they got to say, and then we can shred it because I don't agree with that. Osama bin Laden made sure that most of the hijackers on the 9/11 planes were Saudi citizens. Really, was it him that did that? Huh? Knowing that the resulting revelation would complicate the kingdom's relations with the United States, it worked at least in part with while Washington and Riyadh have more or less managed to carry on. As before, the U.S. public opinion towards Saudi Arabia has taken a nosedive. 9-11 threw a harsh spotlight on Saudi Arabia, on Saudi financial support for many extremist groups around the world, as well as the Neanderthal doctrines of the Wahhabi Islam practiced inside the kingdom. No one on the outside world cared much about Saudi women being denied the right to drive until after 9-11. And even as the <clears throat> longing for reform seems to have gained strength in the wake of the Arab Spring, Al-Qaeda-style radicals who decry the royal family's decadent habits are still finding plenty of traction. The monarchy's future does not look promising. Well, and that's a good thing, right? We don't want, do we want monarchies? Fuck Saudi Arabia. Fuck your kingdom. Yeah, fuck your kingdom. The only reason they exist, the only reason it is a kingdom is because of oil. So, you know, they got a harsh, they're going to be, you know, they got a harsh reality coming right around the bend. And if we weren't protecting them, somebody would have stolen that oil long ago. Right. So I'm surprised we don't, I'm surprised we don't just go over there and take their oil. Right. Like, what do we need them for? I guess because we give them a bunch of military weapons and they, they police that whole area for us. Right them in Israel. Right. So that way we don't have to have our boys over there. So that's, I guess sadly that's 
Sadly, that's probably what it is, huh? I would say Pakistani Americans and uh, Indian Americans have suffered as well because I watched a documentary oh, yeah. about this idiot who fucking sh- shot like three people because he thought they were Muslim, but they were actually Pakistani and Indian and uh, Fijian or whatever. This fucking idiot serving life. He got destined in Texas to execute his ass. But there's a documentary about him where how he executed uh, anybody who looked brown who worked at a gas station because of his patriotism. Yeah, what an asshole. Because of his indoctrination, right? So he was indoctrinated with hate. Uh, and then and then all you got to do is wind him up and point to a certain group of people, right? And they're already filled with all that hate, right? But if you want to look at who died, you know, who, you know, man, Iraqis, man. The estimates are between a half a million and a million Iraqis. Like, oh, my God. And they didn't have anything to do with that day. Nothing. So, like, oh, brutal. You know, and 157, whatever I said, thousand people dying in the Afghan war. Like, imagine that as a pile of bodies. Like, how many people are, are at a baseball game? How many people are at a football game? Imagine twice that many people in a stack of bodies. That's what we're talking about. That's gnarly. And for what? For a bunch of people to make a bunch of money. You know, that's that's the sad, sick truth is that, you know, the military industrial complex is, you know, a finely oiled machine running at capacity right now. You know? We got like Steven X uh, again. Oh, you go. Well, I, I feel like uh, the military industrial complex has, has taken a, a hit. The American economy needs to do well in order for it to do well. And I feel like us pulling out of Afghanistan is just, just an indication of that. I think we don't have as much money flowing into our military endeavors as we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago and um yeah well yes and no right so i agree because now like oh where where are we going to fight now right where's the new war right you know that's what those people are thinking right because it's not we're not going to use less bombs we're just going to use them in different places so but the crazy thing is all throughout this time is military spending has increased. Like since the beginning of the Afghanistan war, we've increased military spending something like $220 billion. And Trump passed this law where every year military spending will now go up $132 billion every year. So in 10 years, that's a trillion dollars. So where's that money going to be spent? They'll find a place. They'll find a place. Any place that has oil or natural gas. Oh, yeah. Got to bring you democracy. So where are they Shape taking- of a torpedo. Yeah, now. Where's Sorry. it going now? Where are they taking I don't know, man. I don't know. Where do you think? Antarctica. Oh, there you go. That's a good one, right? Because, uh. There's got to be tons of resources there, and somebody's got to put their military there to claim it, right? And it's kind of like a, like a new territory, right? Like the new world. I don't know. Maybe yeah, Steven. I'm, hypoth- I'm hypothesizing. The crazy thing about the guy was like it was like oh, a couple of days after September 11th that, that occurred, he killed the first guy. The funny thing is that I feel like if you were just signed up for the military. It would have been all legal. He would have been able to kill all kinds of brown people, babies, anybody he wanted to, and he would have got medals for it. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that's brutal. And you know what is I've heard firsthand that a bunch of people were so a bunch of people signed up for the military right after 9-11 because they thought they were doing the right thing and fighting for, you know, fighting the good fight. And, I, you know, I've heard firsthand that, you, oh, man, I just wanted to go kill some fuckers. You know, crazy. Not cool. Yeah. No. You know who else wow. is a victim of 9-11? Anyone who inhaled the toxic dust and got cancer. 
Yeah, bro. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the if you could give me another monologue where I'm that would be freaking awesome. And I'll look up the first responders that are because the numbers are harrowing, bro. Of of first responders that have already died of cancer and that are sick. It's the numbers are just it'll make you tear up. It really is. It's on par with like when you hear the number of of, of veterans that commit suicide every day, 22. It's just dagger through the heart, right? Like, oh, man, you thought you were doing the right thing and you saw suck, you saw shit that torched or you saw or did or both shit that is torturing you so much every day that the only way is to just to make it stop is to just go away. That hurts my heart. Right. Yeah. So oh. first responders, first responders, definitely. They took it. They got they got the worst out of it. And they're the yeah. people that came to the rescue first, and and it's just incredible that they did that. They don't regret what they did. They shouldn't, you know. But we should have took better care of them. Obviously, um, just all the respiratory conditions that are associated with inhaling. You know, you're inhaling pulverized everything. You know, that can't be good for you. So you're 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 looking up the the percentages on different kinds of uh, cancers. We're talking about cancers. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And Looks uh, like uh, 343 firefighters and 37 police officers died that day, I think. Um, but now, now here's a, uh, you know, found a, found a good article here it's npr kqed.com uh, 9-11 first responders face a high cancer risk but are also more likely to survive um yep yeah, uh, that's a big long article just trying to find some statistic stack static uh 25 percent I got to get my facts straight here. Facts. We got yeah, somebody like online a... by the name of Spandandarez. Uh, no. You want to know where that money's really going? It's going towards spying on us without us knowing about it and doing other things to control us as a society. Spandau Ballet. That was a great message. You don't think I know that? <laughs> you don't think I know that? I know that. Yeah, you... Preaching to the choir up in here, preaching to the choir. That's right. I already been knowing that. And nobody denies that. Nobody denies that, sir. Sir, nobody denies that. That's what, that's what brings us together. Yeah. The anniversary sure. of 9 11. Where were you 20 years ago? Drop us a line. Let us know. That's right. What is your 9 11 story? Where were you? What were you doing? What do you remember from that day? What do you think sucks about 9-11? What do you think's great about 9-11? Do you like 9-11? Are you all about 9-11? 9-11. Dave? All right, here we go. I got something from WebMD. Just looking up some, uh, so yep. Elevated risk of cancer, especially thyroid cancer and leukemia and prostate cancer. Um, there you so, have it, there you have so, it. It, so there you have it. I mean, you know, these people are heroes. They should be taken care of. Um, nearly 29,000 people, 29,000 first responders are suffering. So that's hardcore. Hardcore. Those people are heroes. We got to take care of them. You know what I'm saying? Take care of them. Karen. Take care Karen. Karen. Do we have Karen in here? No. We got Stephen X. Gorilla Radio. Shit, the thing that pisses me off about 9 11 is how these uh, radio stations took it. This, they banned any clear channel. Radio stations stopped playing rock music. They stopped playing ACDC, TNT. They stopped playing Rage Against the Machines music. They stopped playing System of a Down. They stopped playing all these fucking dope-ass songs because they were told to. It was like the terrorists won that day, 
and they censor our music. I don't know if you noticed that. I don't know if you ever looked into that, how Clear Channel mandated all their fucking stations not play uh, Rage Against the Machine because it was, like, political. It was anti-war and shit like that. So you buy the album from home. That's a good point. And remember the band Anthrax changed their name initially for a minute? They did? What stupid assholes. They did, right after the Anthrax attacks. Ooh, there's a good tangent. So Anthrax attacks, there's an interesting parallel between current times with like, huh, COVID. Was it a lab leak? Did Fauci work with the NIH and their um, their offshoot to bring that $3.9 million to the Wuhan Institute of, of uh, Virology, right? as documented um huh so could wuhan could have been a lab leak could it have been so then we've got the 9-11 anthrax so after after doing some research they found the anthrax from 9-11 actually came from a military laboratory in fort dietrich maryland and because it's you know uh military construct it's got a fingerprint right they're like they could tell ooh, that's ours um so very odd huh that the anthrax that's being mailed around to politicians and 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 uh journalists is of military origin right and then the official story yeah. was oh the lab guy you know, the scientist who'd worked there for like 20 years. Oh, he went, he went rogue and he, it was all him. Yeah, right. Like it was just one guy, right? Decided to throw away his career all of a sudden. He's 50 something. Really? Yeah. He just went all, he just went all Ted Kaczynski one day. Really? That we're supposed to believe that it wasn't the CIA? Huh. Yeah. That's vicious. He'll put, he'll put anthrax in a Tampax and smack you till you can't stand. Yeah. That's right. Because okay. I, I believe he started with that. He smacked his bitch up. Smacked his bitch up. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. <clears throat> we got a message. Saved by Freedom Rain. What's going on? What's going on? And another thing. What's up, Worm? Sitting here and enjoying the talk. Hey, I have two questions real quick. What do you think is the significance or what do you think is their purpose behind the phrase never forget? Why do you think that that's the catchphrase associated with this? What do you think um, the people of America never forgetting 9-11 truly means? Like, what's the outcome they're trying to? Is it just like, be careful, um, know that, be grateful that anything could ever could happen at any time? Or is it more so so that they could keep the ember alive of... Um, there's people out there who hate your freedoms, and uh, this is why we have to limit your personal liberties with the Patriot Act. This is why you have to go through so much security. Never forget. I added my own two cents. But yeah, first question is, what do you think they're really trying to get people to see when they keep hammering your head? Never forget, never forget, never forget this tragedy. Good point. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? We're not supposed to forget. Is that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, and I, I think it's part of drawing the narrative back to the official narrative, right? Um, right? Fuck that. Not with that. Yeah, I like think that? it's part of that. I think it, you know, I think it's it's in line with, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Never forget, freedom isn't free, right? And that's the yeah. thing that cracked me up. We never talk you about freedom. In, I stopped doing that when I was in fifth grade. Um, I was a rebel from way back. But that the <laughs> bumper sticker, the bumper sticker, freedom isn't free, really cracks me up because it doesn't talk about elections. It's just like, let's go bomb them because freedom. Right. But really? Yeah. Um, what about elections? What about election? Uh, what about voter suppression? What about making it harder to vote? Why aren't we talking about all that? Like, that's how we need to protect our freedom. Because every time yeah. we protect our freedom with a bomb, we ended up blowing up some innocent people and then we create people that want vengeance, right? It's called blowback. 
Right. Gerrymandering. They're gerrymandering, that's another great one. Why aren't we up in arms over gerrymandering? Like rich people drawing voting districts. That We should be up in arms over that. We should have pitchforks. You know? Yeah. Notice they yeah. don't even sell. Notice they don't even sell pitchforks at Ace Hardware anymore. You got to order that shit online. So they want or your credit card. Fucking pitchfork. I'll beat you out front. Right? I got one for you. <laughs> you know, a metal rake probably works better, though, because you can swing it harder. Get your rakes. <laughs> Get your rake on. <laughs> Uh, shit. Uh, instead of a kool-aid stand i'm gonna set up like a flare stand get your flares a dollar each get your flares here you go <laughs> for a dollar we're stealing uh, you know gotta make some profit um so i'm trying to find i found something about the israeli art students here um one israeli was discovered holding bank receipts for substantial sums of money, close to $180,000 in withdrawals and deposits over a two-month period. A number of Israelis resided for a period of time in Hollywood, Florida, the small city where Mohammed Atta and three terrorist comrades lived for a time before September 11th. In March of 2001, the Office of the National Counterintelligence Executive, NCIX, a branch of the CIA issued a heads up to federal employees about quote unquote, suspicious visitors to federal facilities. The warning noted that employees have observed both males and females attempting to bypass facility security and enter federal buildings. Federal agents, the warning stated, had arrested two of these individuals for trespassing and discovered that the suspects possessed counterfeit work visas and green cards. Huh, so intelligence of some sort. In the wake of the NCIX bulletin, federal officials raised several other red flags, including an Air Force alert, a Federal Protective Services alert, an Office of National Drug Control Policy Security alert, and a request that the Immigration and Naturalization Services, INS, investigate a specific case. Uh, officials began dealing more aggressively with the quote-unquote art students. According to one account, uh, some 140 Israeli nationals were detained or arrested between March, March 2001 and September 11, 2001. Many of them were deported. According to the INS, the deportations resulted from violations of student visas that forbade the Israelis from working in the United States. In fact, Salon has established that none of the Israelis were enrolled in the art school. Most of them claim to be attending. The other college they claim to be enrolled in does not exist. After the September 11th attacks, many more young Israelis, 60, according to one AP dispatch and other reports, were detained and reported and deported, excuse me. The art students followed a predictable modus operandi. They generally worked in teams, typically consisting of a driver, one who was the team leader, and three or four subordinates. The driver would drop the quote-unquote salespeople off at a given location and return to pick them up some hours later. The quote-unquote salespeople entered offices or approached agents in their offices or homes. Sometimes they pitched their artwork, landscapes, abstract works, homemade pens, and other items they carried about in portfolios. At other times, they simply attempted to engage agents in conversation and asked about their studies. They generally said they were from the Bezalil Academy of Arts and design in Jerusalem or the University of Jerusalem, which does not exist. They were described as aggressive in their sales pitch and evasive when questioned by wary agents. The females among them were invariably described as quote unquote, very attractive, blondes in tight shorts and, or jeans, real lookers as one DEA agent put it at Salon. They were flirty, flipping their hair, looking at you, smiling. How are you? Let me show you this. Everything a woman would do if she wanted to get something out of you. 
Some agents noted that the quote unquote students made repeated attempts to avoid facility security personnel by trying to enter federal buildings through back doors and side entrances. On several occasions, suspicious agents who had been visited at home observed the Israelis after the quote unquote students departed and noted that they did not approach any of the neighbors. Interesting. The document detailing most of this information was an internal DEA memo, a 60-page report drawn up in June 2001 by the DEA's Office of Security Programs. The document was meant only for the eyes of senior officials at the Justice Department, of which the DEA is an adjunct. Uh, but it was leaked to the press as early as December 2001, and by mid-March had been made widely available to the public. Boom! And that's from Salon.com. Pretty cool. Pretty interesting. It doesn't talk about, I still don't see the, but where they're talking about the whole floor of the towers, though. I'm going to go through this uh, article, though. See if I can find anything on that. Excuse but me. I didn't know there... I didn't know there were that many Israeli students, but the but the hundred and eighty thousand in receipt, that's pretty wild, right? What were they doing in the columns? What were they doing? They had access to the columns. Exactly. It was a military plane. And the plane wasn't no uh, airline or anything. It was a twin engine, big gray plane. We watched the first explosion. As we're watching the building, we saw a black, very large airplane fly right into the second building. It came out of south, right, right in front of our eyes. Just, it, it was so surreal, like what we said. Were you close enough to be able to see any markings on, on the airplane? Um, it definitely did not look like a commercial plane. I didn't see any windows on the side. I think a bomb went off in the lobby first, then a plane hit the building. Then another plane hit the other building. And but when I was coming through the doors on the other side of the trade center, something either they blew the lobby up or, or something because it blew the glass out of the doors and knocked us all down. Greetings, fellow Earthlings, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. We're going to continue this topic tomorrow, so please tune in at the same time. And remember, if you dig what I'm doing, please do share with friends.